hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Short week for the market. You had off on Monday. I hope you enjoyed your long weekend. I took advantage of the extra day and we went down to Florida to visit some friends who just moved down to Sarasota and I actually stayed in Clearwater Beach. So it was good to see them. We went to a fantastic beach. I got to tell you, it's on Siesta Key. And if you haven't been there and you find yourself in that neck of the woods, I'd highly recommend it. It's a really fine white sand beach. It's phenomenal. It, since we had limited time, we had to fly down. And that got me to thinking about the airlines. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I started buying Delta, symbol D-A-L. So today, I want to flush out my thoughts on the industry a little bit more for you. I also want to talk about earnings, the quality of earnings, the quality of earnings that we're, being, that we're seeing being reported now. And before we jump into that, let's talk about money laundering. No, I'm not going to tell you how to hide your illicit gains. I'm talking about the coronavirus or COVID-19 as it's now known. The Chinese are taking no chances. Now, all the Chinese banks must literally launder their cash, disinfecting it with ultraviolet light and then storing it for 7 to 14 days. And in some places, they're actually burning it. Some experts think that'll have minimal impact since most daily purchases are already made through online shopping. But I tell you, just thinking about all that cash being burned is enough to bring a tear to my eye. That aside, last week, the market shrugged off the negative coronavirus news and made all-time highs. The reason why? Our economy remains flush with liquidity, and there's expectations of a sizable fiscal and monetary easing out of China in the coming months. Importantly, according to the CME, there's a 60% chance of a Fed interest rate cut priced in for the July FOMC meeting. And then it jumps to over an 80% probability for the December meeting. Just a couple of months ago, most people thought that there there was little chance of any rate cuts this year, me included. That's putting pressure on the 10-year treasury, which in turn is boosting stocks. Remember, lower yields, higher equity valuations, typically. But if you look under the hood of the market, it looks to me like trouble is brewing. You have stocks, treasuries, and the dollar are all going up. And when that happens, it typically foreshadows equity market trouble. Not always, but in this iteration, even the VIX is up for the year representing a big break in historical correlations. Over the last couple of years, every time the VIX and the S&P became positively correlated, the broad market has subsequently suffered a setback. Not to get wonky, but people think of the VIX as a measure of volatility. Usually when you see the market hitting new highs, you should see the VIX going lower. And that's not happening. The VIX is staying stubbornly close to 15, which is slightly below the 10-year average. Interestingly, 
According to BCA research, a VIX reading of 15 means that in 30 days, the S&P is expected to trade between 4.3% lower and 4.3% higher than where it currently is. I think the short-term caution flag is waving here, especially when you consider a lot of the excess returns we've been seeing has been from a handful of tech stocks, and you can guess who they are. So be a little extra careful here in the short term. Focus on good businesses run by good managers that are selling for less than what you think they're worth. That's usually a good recipe for the long term. If you have questions or if you're looking for some assistance, feel free to give us a call. The number is 571-261-7670. Once again, 571-261-7670. Or you can just email, email me at podcast, which is plural, podcast at xmlfg.com. If you've listened for a while, you know I prefer to look at gap earnings as opposed to adjusted operating earnings. And there's a big difference. Most people aren't accountants, neither am I. So GAP stands for Generally Accepted Accounting Principles. Adjusted earnings are when a company takes their GAP numbers, which they're required to provide, and they adjust them for one-off items. If this one-time event didn't happen, our earnings would have been this. You know, it's a, it's a corporate mulligan. The rationale for adjusting gap earnings seems pretty innocent. It seems that making one-off adjustments makes sense to get a cleaner look at a company's true earnings, especially when you're comparing them to prior periods. The problem is, is where's the line? Some companies have become serial adjusters. And those one-time charges are a regular occurrence or a pretty regular occurrence. And Tesla is a great example. This last earnings report a few weeks ago, Tesla, symbol TSLA, reported an annual profit of $36 million, $36 million on an adjusted basis. But using GAP, the generally accepted accounting principles, the company actually lost $862 million. That's nearly a billion-dollar difference. A billion with a B, an uppercase B at that. In fact, the company has never made a profit, profit using gap accounting. And, of course, the stock went crazy after they announced their adjusted profit. The stock went up something like 150%, something crazy. And... And as soon as that happened, they announced that they were raising additional capital by selling stock, something they said they don't need to do. Honestly, it's probably a smart thing for them to do. Why not sell stock when you can get an outrageous price for it or what I think is an outrageous price for it? But I'm not here to beat on Tesla. Even bellwethers such as Ford appear to consistently have a wide gap between their adjusted earnings and their gap earnings. But here's my point. Going back to 1988, S&P data shows that adjusted earnings on a, on a per share basis are typically 9% higher than the gap comparable. 
So for the last 30 years, adjusted earnings are typically 9% higher than the gap earnings. Right now, they're about 15% higher. Companies are making more and more, quote unquote, one-time adjustments. This is probably a good late cycle indicator. That 15% difference is the widest divergence since the aftermath of the dot-com bubble burst in 2002. A company that doesn't report adjusted earnings is Apple, symbol AAPL. But what they are adjusting this week is their revenue guidance for the quarter. Probably no surprise that both its supply and demand within China are going to come up short for the quarter. You know the reason why. Stock went down about 3% on the news. Even still, with the stock trading at about 25 times earnings, I think it's fully valued. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about adding a new position, Delta, symbol D-A-L. I did it because of the fears of the coronavirus had hit all the travel tourism stocks pretty darn good. The hotels, the online sellers like Booking, Expedia, no doubt. I expect consumer and business demand for the airlines are going to come under pressure in the near term. But looking farther out, I think this demand destruction probably going to prove transitory. I think the demand backdrop for the U.S. airlines looks pretty good. Airfares are outpacing overall consumer spending, which I think is an impressive feat. And the number of people getting on planes, both domestically and internationally, is increasing at about 5% per year. So you have good demand and good pricing. To that, you can tack on a roughly, I don't know, 15% year-to-date drop in oil prices and airline profit margins probably going to expand this year. Most of the industry doesn't hedge their kerosene costs. So you have revenues that are likely going up and costs that are going down. And you have analysts are still kind of pessimistic, pessimistic in that revenue and profit growth expectations are slated to trail the S&P, the broader market, over the next year. I think you can find some good values here if you're willing to have just a little bit of patience. Let's start wrapping this up. Uh, There was an interesting article in Barron's this past weekend on Berkshire Hathaway. If you get a chance, you might want to give it a read. But Every investor should read Buffett's annual letter to shareholders, which gets released this weekend. I'm sure I'll have something to say about that on next week's show. Until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. We'll be back next week. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, 
They're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.